Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, a podcast exploring reproductive technology and life-changing stories. Here are your hosts, Jennifer White and Ellen Trackman. Welcome to the podcast in a change of pace. I am going first. I am Jennifer White. I am here with my amazing sister, Ellen Trackman. That was really well done. You should go first. Oh, what? Oh, thanks. I love it. Um, So Ellen, question for you today. Uh, Mm -hmm. What is an invention that has changed your life? Oh, so many. I mean, there's the obvious ones. We actually were we're telling the kids stories about the phone and how mm-hmm. we didn't have a phone. I was like explaining in high school how there was one phone for the house and only one person could be on it at a time. And then the internet came and I got a modem. And when I used the yeah. modem to connect to the internet, yeah. it took yeah. over the one phone line and then no one could use the one phone line because I was on the modem and people... Didn't Which like was so that. slow that you couldn't do anything anyway. Yeah. Um, there's inventions I'm really excited. Is it really sad? I was listening to a podcast this morning about um, menotech, like menopause tech, that I'm really excited that there's going to be like tech solutions to like better handle changes in the future. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally, I mean, okay, I don't agree with that one necessarily. I mean, I do agree. It's always good to handle things. Just wait, I, just wait, just wait. See if you do agree with it later. I might, I might just agree with it. Uh, I say, and we could question which one of us is older, who is getting excited about mm-hmm. menopause solutions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I say, I thought mine would have been like cell phones, ways to communicate. And I just even remember when we moved to Germany, we didn't have, cell phones we didn't have any of that and so like even communicating back we had to take our like our cool little phone our little internet phone so that you could call our landline phone at the house do you remember that like i was so excited that we took our phone number and it was a landline at the house in germany but it had a u.s phone number because of the internet was you know like that was like awesome cool technology and now of course we go anywhere all over the world and we have our phones with us in our pockets of course yeah, communication is amazing. So there are so many innovations out there that are life-changing. I know you just mentioned one that was medical. Our interview today, this is also another one. And I will say that if I had this back when I was going through infertility, it makes me wonder if it would have changed my journey and been life-changing for me. So I was really breathlessly fascinated by this. Welcome, Dr. Amy Beckley. Amy, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, so where do you like to start when you tell your story? Um, well, depends on who I'm telling. Um, you know, if I'm telling other women, it's, hey, you should think about this before you do things. Um, yeah. If it's healthcare providers, it's, hey, we should think about uh, fertility care a different way. Um but yeah, it really depends on who I'm talking and telling the story to, because there's many different issues that I had. Sure. So start off with your personal story, kind of what has brought yeah. you to here and this perspective? Yeah, I, you know, was like uh, many, you know, American women who uh, was getting the ducks in the row, you know, got the husband, got the house, got the dog, you know, got the house in the good neighborhood, the good schools and all that fun stuff and two empty rooms. And all we had to do was fill them. Here I was this educated, smart scientist and 
had done everything right, built the career and, you know, came off birth control and it was, yeah, how hard could this be? Uh, very hard. Right. <laughs> um, you know, and, and being a scientist, you know, I did all the things I tracked my temperature, um, you know, the, the toilet paper, the ovulation test, like all this stuff, all the things. And I wasn't getting pregnant and I knew something was not right. I didn't look like what was, you know, being shown to me on Google. Um, but then if you go to the doctor and it's like, well, you haven't been trying long enough, you know, you haven't hit that infertile bar yet. Go back and try yourself. Um, and then we got pregnant and quickly lost the pregnancy. And I thought to myself, okay, well, that's a silver lining that maybe then now they'll listen to me, that they'll realize there's something wrong and I'll get some help. Nope. Then it was, you haven't had enough miscarriages. This is normal. This happens. Wow. I was like, oh my God. (laughs) And so it was just, it was a disaster that like, I knew something was wrong. No one would help me. I kept having losses. I finally got into the reproductive endocrinologist and all the tests said I was perfectly fine, normal, nothing was wrong. And then I was given the diagnosis of unexplained infertility. Uh, that's my Worst. favorite. I, I say that's my favorite. I had that one too. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And telling a scientist you have unexplained infertility is probably like the worst thing you could say to a scientist. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I was set, I was basically told that the best option for me to conceive was IVF. And it was because we don't know what's wrong with you. Um, and so we're just going to basically fix everything we possibly can, give you the highest chance at success. So we're going to fix know, have all been... the things that we don't think are broken and then try it again. Yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. That is, that is perfectly said. I might have to use that one again. That's <laughs> By all means, please. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Yeah, exactly. Is this exactly what it is? And so, um, you know, we went through a, a couple cycles because I had had seven miscarriages by that point. We were like two years deep. I was so desperate. I was like, I am just so sick of this. And, you know, we did. We had two two rounds and I have a 13-year-old son. And I was like, this is amazing. But why did it work? And so I went back and had conversations with my doctor and I was like, what did we miss? <laughs> what was really broken that we fixed during IVF? Um, and I, I got to this idea of progesterone. So during IVF, you know, you have to have your partner give you a very large shot in the keister because it is deathly important to have progesterone to support that pregnancy. And it is, you will not have implantation. You will not be pregnant. You will not stay pregnant unless you have progesterone. It was like ingrained in your mind. You must do it every day. Super important. And I said, all right, can I just have this hormone, but like, you know, conceive naturally. They're like, sure. It's not going to hurt anything. We don't know how effective it is outside Mm -hmm. of the context of IVF. And I was like, well, we're going to find out. (laughs) So you're like, I'm going to do my own experiment on me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's a hormone your body produces anyways. And my theory was I just wasn't making enough and I would get pregnant. I just didn't have enough to stay pregnant. So took progesterone literally the second month in, uh, got pregnant, stayed pregnant. And that's my 10 year old daughter. Wow. And it was like, wow, we are missing something very important. And the whole healthcare system is flawed. Because we wait until this woman, as at the point of desperation, she has had, you know, multiple miscarriages. That is like, you know, on the same degree of a cancer diagnosis. Like there's, it's just horrible, you know, and then you hit her with, 
oh, well, the biggest, you know, the highest chance of conception, which is 100% true, is IVF. But, you know, if there's something that she could be doing beforehand to maybe find out sooner or, you know, to, to find another route, we should give people that option. We should educate them and, and provide resources to hopefully save them from having to do what I had to do. Forgive me for my ignorance, but they run so many tests. Is this just not the kind of thing that's detected or they just don't test for it? Yeah, this is a great question and I get it a lot. So one of the major tests that they do uh, is a like a cycle day 21 progesterone test. So you're, you're testing your blood for the, uh, the appearance, the presence of progesterone. And progesterone is a hormone that fluctuates in your blood. And so when you do this test, it's either yes, you ovulated, released an egg or no, you did not. But it doesn't really tell you the, the health of your luteal phase or like the quality, like the ovarian function. And so for implantation to occur, you need a continual uh, release of progesterone from your ovary to transform the uterine lining into a receptive place where the embryo comes down and it sticks to it. And so just taking a single progesterone measure doesn't tell you that there was enough progesterone to provide good implantation. And so what the, the test is that I, that I invented, which is called PROVE, is that we measure it in urine over multiple days to make sure it's sustained and elevated above a certain threshold so that you have you know more comprehensive look at your hormones. And that's what I was missing is I'd get my progesterone blood test. Great. Your number was fine. The next day I'd come home, I'd spot, I get my period. And it was like, well, it came down too fast. It like yeah. too soon. And if you think about the menstrual cycle, like you get pregnant, your, your um, egg and sperm meet inside the fallopian tube. It takes seven to 10 days to get all the way down into the uterus to implant. And so if you're getting your period and your uterine lining is shedding before that period of time is over, then your chances of pregnancy are very slim or none. So like, but so are, are clinics now testing for this if things changed? No, <laughs> but what? women can okay. buy it off Amazon and they could test themselves and then they can go into their doctor and they can tell them, Hey, this test shows I wasn't ovulating or I didn't have enough progesterone. Can I get a prescription? And the doctor, most of the time, great, sure. Here's your, your prescription and things like Clomid, yeah. uh, letrozole, um, you know, progesterone, like what I did can fix these kind of issues very easily. And so that's, you know, we fought with the FDA to get cleared for home use so we could give it directly to women so they could have a voice, they could advocate because you remember, you don't get to the doctor until you are on the ledge of throwing yeah. yourself off of it because you've had such a horrible go at it. And so yeah. I didn't want women to get to that point. I wanted them to have that information on day one so that they could go to their OB during their annual and say, hey, I'm trying to conceive. I took this test. It shows this thing. Could I have this med? Sure. Cool. Awesome. So yeah. do you have a sense of how common, like for those who are suffering from infertility or having problems conceiving, how common is it that this is the problem? 
ovulation issues are the leading cause of infertility. So uh, women with PCOS, women with endometriosis um, all have ovulation issues. And a lot of time it's, um, you know, you go to the doctor, it's like, when was your last menstrual cycle? Okay. That must mean you're ovulating, right? And they check the box that you ovulated. Or if you got pregnant, obviously you ovulated, right? Um, And so ovulation is not a yes or no, right? Women with PCOS can ovulate, but they can produce really low levels of, of progesterone and really high levels of estrogen, which make their uterine environment not receptive to implantation. And so we're, we're really trying to define the ovulatory process is not yes or no, not did you release an egg or not, but really as a process of ovulation being from the release of the egg and getting that uterus ready for implantation, because you have to fertilize, you have to implant for pregnancy to occur. And so really thinking of the cycle as a whole. And so, you know, problems with ovulation, you know, followed very, very, very closely, if not um, lower than unexplained infertility are the two leading causes of, of infertility. Wow. I'm still just shocked that medical providers don't regularly test for this, but I also see the point that maybe you're not even at the medical provider where you can take control and be testing this for yourself. Uh, tell me a little bit, what was it like to start a business where had you started businesses before? What did that look like? <laughs> no, I, so yeah, so I went through this, I had my daughter and then, you know, there's um, national infertility awareness week, you know, thanks to resolve, you know, in April, which happens to be my birthday week, usually every year. And I went on, on social media and I had just said, Hey, I'm, I'm one in eight. This is what happened to me. Here's my story. This one was IVF. This one was natural. The number of people that came into my inbox asking me what I did, I'm suffering, I'm going through this, what did you do, was shocking, like literally shocking. And it was like everybody keeps it inside and they don't want to talk Mm -hmm. about it, but everybody is suffering. And so one day I just, one of my friends that also did IVF called me and she's like, we got to do something. Like we got to make a progesterone test and give women this information. So we're like, okay, let's do it. So I, um, I was a faculty at Kansas State University at the time, and they had tuition credits where I could take a, a business class once, you know, one at a time. Wow, smart. Yeah, so I had a, a, a three-year-old and a, and a newborn and a full-time job, and I was taking my yeah, life. So such a time. <laughs> yes, I know, it's great. <laughs> um, but yeah, I got, I got my MBA, and I, we started a crowdfunding campaign and it was a very simple thing where it was like, I have this idea, this test, if it's a good one and people want this information, they will buy it and then I will make it. And if they buy more, I will make more. And that's just very simply just wanted to, to give back and give people this information and, and be a resource because of how horrible a time I had. And I felt like I owed it to everybody else because I had my happy ending and I figured it out and I wanted to share that and people bought it and they kept buying it and they kept emailing saying this was amazing. Like it, it changed everything and it, it, you know, helped them advocate, help them find an issue um, or even ruled something out. Like, you know, I thought I wasn't obligating. Actually I am. Thank you very much. You know, and took some of the anxiety off. Um, and so that's, that's really what we did. Um, just, 
grew it, bootstrapped it. Um, Have you been able to do any studies surrounding this and how helpful it, I mean, obviously it is helpful, but it like any, and I know sometimes, you know, especially scientific studies, you know, with the blinding and things like that, but like, like what level of data have you been able to gather about how amazing this has been for people? Yeah. Yeah. So we did a a paper last year, about a year ago it was published and it was the predictive value of PDG, which is this progesterone metabolite found in urine at um, determining pregnancy outcomes. That's more or less the, the, the title of the paper. And what we did is we looked at women who got pregnant and their PDG levels during that implantation window. So seven, eight, nine, and 10 days after, you know, ovulation, LH surge, what are, what are their PDG, progesterone metabolite levels doing? And we classified them as either a negative cycle or low PDG levels or a positive cycle, high PDG levels. And we looked at, you know, pregnancy rates. And what we found was women who had a negative PDG cycle, their miscarriage rate was about 89%. Oh, wow. And then the ones that had a positive cycle, their miscarriage rate was about 14%. And so you can kind of think of it as, well, if you have low PDG, you're at higher risk for miscarriage. Now, I don't want people to that to happen. <laughs> I want it to be a predictive thing. And so what we're really trying to collect data on right now is, you know, if you have a negative cycle, and this is some, we had some data in this paper as well, whereas you had a negative cycle, but you didn't get pregnant, but then you took something like progesterone or, or um, letrozole or clomid, one of these like, you know, really cheap ovulation induction meds, will it now turn your, your cycle positive? Will you get higher PDG levels? And then you actually can conceive. And so that is, you know, kind of where we're, we're going right now, where we want to be kind of the companion diagnostic to needing medications like like Clomid and Letrozole and, and seeing that this is a person that's a candidate for this type of medication, because then it can, you know, induce a, a stronger ovulation is a lot of times what doctors are, are saying, you know, it's just more progesterone produced after ovulation. I mean, it's one of those, like, it's stunning to think that if it's just one, and I'm going to say simple, obviously, giving yourself a shot in the butt every day is not simple. But, you know, if it's it's one small thing that people can do that could make such a huge difference in their fertility outcomes, like, that would be amazing. Yeah, and you don't even have to do a shot in the butt. So there's vaginal applications, there's oral applications, there's topical applications, and so my daughter was a, a vaginal progesterone. It wasn't even injectable. For those who might be listening, maybe struggling with infertility and not totally in the weeds yet about all the details, what would be indicators that this might be the right choice, that they should take this test? Or is it kind of anyone who's struggling for infertility, this is a good a good start to have more information? Um, yeah, I mean, ideally... We want everybody to test on on day one because if it is an issue, you know, you can solve it without having to go through anything. But, you know, more typically what we see are women who've had a miscarriage, um, women who are spotting, um, you know, in the last half of their cycle, women who have PCOS, women who have endometriosis, um, women that have short luteal phases. They're tracking their LH surge and then their period comes less than 10 days after they got that LH surge. 
um, you know, trying for, for four or five plus months and not being successful, that's another sign that something might be a little bit off. Um, but yeah, that's typically where women come to us is they're trying and it's not working and they think there's something wrong or they've had a, a miscarriage or a or underlying health condition that kind of puts them at higher risk for uh, having, you know, this kind of ovulation issue. Do you have tips for people who take the test on advocating with their medical providers? Because I know a lot of us are just like, we trust our doctor or whatever they say. So it's a little hard to be like, no, no, I've taken control and I need you to listen and do this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, <laughs> so there is some literature out there where um, if you give progesterone at the time of positive pregnancy test, that it's like a 3% increase in pregnancy rates, which is which is significant, but it's not a huge amount. And this is the research that most physicians know. And so they'll come back at you and say, well, it's shown to really not be effective. Well, first of all, you need to start progesterone before implantation. So you need to take it three days after you ovulate. That's going to give, you know, that uterine environment the best chance at implantation. So you know, instead of like re-explaining them science and, um, you know, telling them they're wrong or anything, you know, uh, try to kind of inflammatory, the best thing I've heard to say is, well, would it cause any harm? Well, no. Okay. I would feel more comfortable if I could just have it. If it's not going to cause any harm, let's just try it. I'm okay with that. And it's, you know, thou shall not do harm, right? It's like, Right. That, that kind of gives them the idea where, yeah, okay, you said it was not going to help. I heard you. I got you, but I still want to do it. Um, and I know I understand the risks. And that kind of splits the table, so to speak. Um, and it doesn't say, well, you're wrong or you're wrong or whatever. It's really just like, yes, I acknowledge you. I hear you. You're the you're the professional. Well, I'm the patient. I, you know, I want, I want this. Um, the other thing I, a lot of times I say is, you know, they're your doctor. You hired them for a job. And if they're not listening to you and they're just refuse to do anything, go hire another one. Like there's no reason you have to be at a certain physician, a certain doctor's office and and listen to them not take you seriously, whether that be I'm taking an ovulation test or I'm tracking my temperature. I want to know about this vitamin or whatever, whatever questions you have, if they're really just dismissing you, that's not worth your time. You mentioned saying, well, I, I understand the risks. I would like to go forward. I, it seems like the risk would be pretty minimal. Is that right? Oh, yeah. I mean, your body makes this. Um, it's bioidentical. It's the same. There's very few risks. If you happen to be allergic to progesterone, you probably shouldn't take it. Um, a lot of the if you're allergic to progesterone, you have other issues anyway. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. right. Um, there's uh, most of the progesterones that are vaginal and oral are a peanut based. So if you have a peanut allergy, you should talk to them about that. It's probably not a good idea to, to use that. Um, it can make you tired. It can make you um, like your breasts feel fuller. And it, that's because that's what that hormone does. Um, and that's, you don't have enough of it. You're giving your body this, this hormone that, that helps you know, support breast development for a growing pregnancy. And um, there's, I guess there's side effects, but it's, 
what the hormone's supposed to do. So. So when you talk to, you said, you know, you had a different way you talk about things. If you talk to either, you know, women who are suffering through infertility, or if you're talking to medical professionals, how do you broach this and your feelings about the, Hey, we're not paying enough attention to this with medical professionals. Yeah. Um, we have a lot of conversations with OBs and, um, REs. And, and so the conversation is a little bit different. So the conversation with OBs is, you know, you are their primary contact point. You are trained in, you know, delivering babies, you know, everything about how to keep a woman pregnant and healthy and all this fun stuff. And you have these patients that come in with fertility issues. Wouldn't it be great to be able to give them a test and to treat them in your office with very simple things like Clomid and Letrozole that are in your wheelhouse and help them get pregnant, have them keep you stay, have them stay within your practice and care for them as opposed to, Hey, it's been six months. You know, if you come, if you're not still trying in six months, I'll write you a referral to the RE across the hall. Like there's really nothing I can do. And so it just gives the OB GYN more um, resources for their fertility patient. And they love it. Like they absolutely love it because nobody, doctors, patients, nobody likes going to a visit where it's like, yep, sorry, I can't help you. Uh, I'll take your copay now. Like, <laughs> right. So it's good for, for all parties involved. Um, and then the RE, um, you know, sometimes they are very um, combative towards us. They're just like, well, well you know, I am the doctor and I know these things. And I have my machines I know works and, and, you know, you shouldn't be out there playing doctor. Oh, you got that on Amazon. Obviously it's wrong. Like they're just very confrontational um, because they just, they want to do it on their machine with their diagnosis, their, their stuff, which I totally understand, right? They're doctors. They know how to get people pregnant. And the way that we approach it is these are women who can't conceive. They either have a negative test that shows that they need your help or they have a positive test, which shows that they need your help. There's other additional testing that you need. And so we're partnering with RE offices to be that, that bridge between testing and treatment to get them in there sooner, to you know start that process sooner, to get them on treatment sooner. Um, and so it's not like this blank slate coming in and they have to you know start at, at square one. Have you been copied or have people kind of followed and created this test as well? Like I... I would think REIs would be like, oh yeah, I should do this test. So maybe there's other options or is that, is, can people yeah. do that? Yeah. Yeah. It, so yeah, there are tests. It's not, um, not doctor's office, but other companies have, have been copycats. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. So we have FDA clearance. We went, like I said, we went through the FDA to make sure that women understood the instructions. Everything was, you know, reproducible, uh, easy to understand we're the only test on the market that has that FDA clearance. Um, so all the tests that are like the copycats don't have that clearance. Um, we also have a patent. So this idea of sustained elevated progesterone during the implantation window, that is something we have patented where it's not just a single point in time. It's this continual measure that you have to assess 
you know, the health of your ovulation, the health of your luteal phase. So you have the optimal chance of, of implantation and pregnancy. So these other companies can test for the same hormone, but they don't do it the same way that we do. They'll just say, yep, you ovulated. And that's literally the same thing as a blood test, which misses all these nuance issues where it's not that you didn't release an egg. It's you don't have sustained progesterone to support the pregnancy. Yeah. Well, I think that shows that it's been really powerful, right? The fact that there are copycats like noticing how, what a good thing you're doing. Uh, I don't think you've even mentioned the name of the company or the name of the test. Do you want to put that out there? (laughs) Yeah, it's Prove, P-R-O-O-V. So the the website's provetest.com. And, um, you know, we have a, a variety of tests. Um, the most popular is the confirm, or I mean, I'm sorry, the complete test. And what this does is it, it measures not just progesterone uh, metabolites in urine, but it measures estrogen and LH and FSH. And we really analyze the entire cycle, everything from your baseline hormones, uh, key ratios that could indicate, you know, you might have a, a PCOS or, or something like that. Um, and your ovarian reserve, you know, are you, do you have high FSH levels? Are you, you know, is your egg count kind of decreasing to your entire fertile window from the moment, you know, you enter the fertile window to the moment you close the fertile window. And then we assess the luteal phase health and we actually score your cycle from one to zero or one to a hundred where we know it's not yes or no, you ovulated, but how healthy was it? Right. So it's like, you don't just go to sleep you have good sleep or bad sleep. It's the same thing with your hormones. And so we really analyze the whole cycle. It's 89 bucks. It's cheaper than like, you know, one visit at your doctor. I was going to ask like if you were willing to share costs. Cause I, I'm thinking, you know, like, especially so many people just don't have any fertility benefits at all. Right. And, yeah. you know, so, I mean, that is a huge barrier to care for so many is that I can't afford to spend you know, $300 on going to see an REI for the first visit, you know, and then even if I could, I can't afford the rest of the treatment beyond that. You know, I mean, I, I know, like speaking, I'm always ad nauseum about my own personal experience, but the military has horrible, horrible fertility benefits, and we didn't have anything. And I mean, I can just think, you know, 18 years ago, when I was going through everything, like, how incredibly useful this would have been for me to be able to, you know, self-diagnose and at least push in a different, in a direction that would have been helpful. So that's an amazing price point, quite honestly, for a huge amount of information. Yeah. I mean, that, that uh, accessibility was our main point of doing this. We've tried our very hardest to keep prices as low as we can um, and, and give access to people who wouldn't have access, right? It's all urine based. You don't have to go in and get it poked and prodded. You don't have to send samples away. It's all done at home. And then so I was curious. I was going to ask that if you if you did have to send something away. So it's all you'll you'll have results like right away. Yeah, yeah. So it's um it's kind of the same technology as like a pregnancy test or an ovulation test. So you you know collect first morning urine, you dip a, a test strip in the urine, wait ten minutes, and then you scan it in with our our free app. So the app, basically, you put in your cycle information, your period date, your cycle length, and it tells you when to test, how to test, and then you take a picture, scan it in, and then we read the hormone values of, of the test, and then we build the profile and you know give you all that analysis at the end. So it's 
10 minutes a day. Um, it takes a whole cycle because we're building, you know, the entire profile. And at the end, you get this really cool, you know, PDF report where it's got, you know, things that we've flagged as kind of not normal that you maybe you should, you know, talk to somebody about. Um, and then we're now starting to offer the care. So we've heard, just heard so many stories of, of pushback of, I don't want to give you this medication or people that just don't live near an RE or can't afford that visit to ask for that medication. So we're starting to partner with, with physicians that will prescribe medications, you know, based off of the, the approved results. That's, that's really helpful. They don't yeah. have to make a separate appointment that they can work through you for that. That's really nice. Um, maybe a silly question, but is your, is your app, like, can the government access it? Is it secure? I just remember there was this point where I was like, delete all your menstrual tracking apps. <laughs> yeah. So we, we are here for women. We provide them a service for women. And when we built our app, we, made a kill switch, so to speak, where women can go in there and they can delete their account. That deletes it from our databases. We don't even have a record of you anymore if you do that, which sometimes can be unfortunate because there's women that, you know, delete their accounts and then they realize, oh, I really wish I would have had it. And they email us. I'm like, I'm sorry, your data's gone. Like, I can't get it back. I mean, I guess that's reassuring that it really, the kill switch really works. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then we use like, um, server uh serverless server i think that i'm sorry i'm not an app person but um you know like there were servers in certain states where you can get subpoenas and stuff like that and so we went to this serverless model where it's not in a a certain state so nobody can subpoena us for data um and so you know the data is hers she can do whatever she wants with it so we're trying to 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 protect her and safeguard her against that we don't we don't sell data that's not our business model or business models to sell test strips. <laughs> so, you know, we don't have advertisements in our ad or, or sell to anybody like some of these other uh, app companies. Here's a hot tip. If you have a free app, you are getting your data shared. That's how they make their yep. money. So yep. it's not free. <laughs> yeah, that's important to note. Um, anything else about the test or the experience that, you know, is important to get out there or to share? Yeah. Um, you know, women always take it upon ourselves to think it's our problem. It's our fault. We have to, to monitor our ovulation. We got to know our fertile window and really, you know, male factor is almost as prevalent as female infertility. And so we, you know, one of our top selling products is what we call a hers and his kit, which includes a semen test, a a, a sperm test. And it's to give women say, you know what, you are part of this. Like you need to get tested too. Um, It's surprising how many men go untested. And then two years down the line, it's like, well, he had no sperm. It's like, oh, that would have been nice to know. Right. Would have been helpful from the start on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And our, our sperm test is really cool. Um, it is like a little microscope. So you collect the sample at home, put on this little microscope slide, and then it shows you a video of the sperm swimming. And then it gives you a, a... like on your phone? On, yeah. on your app? 
Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That sounds kind of fun, even if you don't need the test just to see it. It I, is. I'm kind of sad my husband's had a vasectomy. <laughs> like, I would totally buy that just for the heck of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My, mine did too. And we did it to make sure they're, you know, well, I'm not, you're not supposed to use it for that. So. But yeah, um, yeah, it, it's it makes it cool. Like men don't like to get tested, and if you make it cool and you give them something fun to look at, I mean, first of all, pleasurable to get your sample, and then you get to see a cool video. I mean, wh- what other excuse do you have for not getting tested? Come on. <laughs> I, I have that. images now of using this app to see. Wow, <laughs> very impressed. Yeah. Yeah. And then a lot of times we get, um, when, you know, women are just very anxious of our tests. Like it's like, it's anxiety because, you know, it showed there was something wrong or whatever. And, you know, I like to remind women that if you're going to have some type of infertility, this is the easiest one to fix. So, you know, you've done yourself a favor and and figured it out soon. And, and it's a, you know, a $10 prescription from your OB, not a $700 RE visit and $20,000 of IVF. Right. So not to be scared, right? So people don't like to test because it's like, oh, I don't know what's going to be. Um, I don't know. What, what if it's positive? It's like, then you get it treated. <laughs> right. Right. No, it gives. Yeah. Uh, a nice opportunity for answers and and i'm going to air quote that people can't see but easy answers right right it, is it gives at least the ability for some level of potentially easier solutions right yep well we like easy easy answers easy path less less expensive ways to to get to where you want and to build your family so thank you for coming on and sharing this great product and your own story to developing it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And thanks for having this podcast. I mean, it's one of the best ones and I'm so this resource for, for the community. So thank you. Thank you to Dr. Beckley. Um, I really appreciate hearing your story and for sharing your innovations. Um, It's just so inspirational to hear someone experiencing a problem and really finding a solution that can help so many people. So we appreciate you. Yeah. It's wonderful to be able to kind of spread the word about some kind of something new and innovative and really cool. that hopefully helps a lot of people. Um, As always, thank you to everybody out there. Thank you to our team. Thank you for those of you who call and who rate us on iTunes. Um, Our number, if you want to call is 303-997-1903. There's also a little, if you go to our uh, website for our podcast, there's actually a little contact form if people want to send us an old-fashioned email. I know that doesn't feel old-fashioned anymore, but, you know, like, people don't do that that often. Uh, We are always happy to get them. We always read them. Or you can join our Facebook group. Just make sure you answer the questions. Bonus points if you ask, if you answer by saying that you want to sell me a car warranty, I will totally admit you to the group if you do so. Um, Thank you to our team, to Tyler, Melissa, to Amanda. And as always, thank you to you for being here and listening.